Well, the rest of us turn to the book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 2. So, Proverbs chapter 2. I saw somebody's hand go up. No. Nope, you were good? Okay. <laughs> Just double check it. Uh, when? That's going to be the 17th. This month. March 17th. Okay. 6 o'clock. March 17th. Be here. <laughs> so Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to pick up where we left off, and we were talking uh, very specifically about some things with wisdom. And we've been approaching it uh, a little bit from a young person's perspective. Uh, we have individuals in this church that uh, have uh, uh, found people that uh, they are thinking about marriage and they're thinking about pursuing uh, a, a uh, some maybe a, some type of a courtship or something of that nature. And we want to make sure that they have all of the necessary uh, information and tools to do what God is asking them to do, which is very clearly, am I doing this the way that God wants me to do it? God has a plan and a, if you will, a very specific way to do things in our life. And uh, the way that we do that is when we ask the big questions, is this person God's will for my life? How do we know how to get there? How do we know what that answer is going to be? We know he's not going to write it in the sky. We know he's not going to have an angel come down and tell us. We know that he's not going to send us an email or a text message or even snail mail. He's not going to do those things. But he gives us instruction from the word of God about how to, how to be able to discern that, how to be able to make the right judgment on that. And that's what we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks. We initially started out looking at some of those questions and moving into it. Um, uh, even with our basic program, uh, with the teens, we kind of began broaching some of the subject about uh, going through some questions about courtship and what uh, that truly means. Uh, you know, how do I know this is the will of God? Uh, how do I, uh, you know, uh, make sure that I'm doing it the right way? Those things we're beginning to look at and, again, ask some very spiritual questions to bring us into a spiritual mindset so that we can truly think, is this how God wants me to handle it? Now, these are also applicable to many other things. And the very first thing that we understand about how to know if it's the will of God is that we need the wisdom of God to be able to do that. And in Proverbs chapter 2, we find that the first few verses that we talked about last week of Proverbs chapter 2 clearly outline how we get wisdom. And getting wisdom is not an easy thing to do. Getting wisdom is is not something you can go to the Walmart and buy off the shelf. You know, the wisdom of the world may seem simple and may seem easy, but I will tell you this, when it comes to the wisdom of God, you have to truly seek after her, as it says. This is something that you need to be diligent about. It's not just going to come something that at the drop of a hat, once you trust Christ as your Savior, boom, automatically, you know, you get the magic Jesus pill and everything is taken care of. You get a get a pill for wisdom and boom, now you've got wisdom. That's not how it works. As it says, you have to incline your ear, you have to receive, you have to seek uh, uh, after. There's There's a very specific way he talks about doing it. 
And that's how you build that house that we talked about in Proverbs chapter 24. It is built with wisdom. If we're going to have a household that is pleasing unto the Lord and is going to be filled with those treasures that we talk about, where we start is we start with wisdom being applied to it. The right wisdom, the wisdom of God. And here we're talking about seeking after it and how to go after it. And in Proverbs chapter 3, in the next chapter, you see that he talks about how valuable it is and how it's better than fine gold and and uh, the value of wisdom is better than anything that this world can ever offer you. So we know that, that we need to seek it. So if we're going to build with wisdom... We need to know that we need to seek after wisdom. And he talks about that. We're going to look at verse uh, 1 through uh, uh, through f- uh, 4 here. Just again, give us that context. He says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou wilt incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart unto understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures. There's got to be a diligence to do these things. It's not something you're just going to, if you will, just magically find. It's something you truly have to desire to do. But if we do that, God gives us a promise. And we're going to look at those promises this morning. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time that we have Thank you again for what you preserved in your word for us to read and to understand this morning. And Lord, I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will teach us and guide us and direct us that as we look at uh, what you have given us as promise, when we seek after your wisdom and seek after what uh, uh, you truly desire us to have in our life, Lord, what you do for us. And Lord, I just pray that we would understand it this morning. We would use these things, Lord, to please you, to fulfill your will, and to live a life, Lord, that is honoring unto you in your name. Thank you again for those that are here this uh, morning. I pray, Lord, that it's time we just would be pleasing unto you in all things. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in verse 4, we have this concept of, You need to do this to get wisdom. And if you do this and you do all of these things, which is receive, hide, incline, apply, cry, lift up your voice, and as he says, seek and search, this is what happens. Notice what the next word is in verse 5. Then. Then. If we do this, God says, this is what will happen. There's a consequence. You know, we we understand those consequences. If you've ever taken high school chemistry, you understand that when you mix two things together to create some compound or solution or whatever it is, you get a certain result. There's certain things that people, you know, uh, warn about, uh, bad results. Such as you never mix, you know, chemical cleaners together. Because if you mix uh, an ammonia based and a chlorine base together as a cleaner, you're going to kill yourself. Because it produces a very toxic, harmful gas. 
But we also know that if you mix certain things together, you can produce things that are pleasant, things that are helpful, and uh, things that, that uh, e- even if you know you look at the pharmaceutical world, can help heal certain things. So we know that there are consequences when we do certain things the way that they're supposed to be done. And God says, "You seek after wisdom this way." Here's what. <clears throat> excuse me. Here's what happens. Verse five. Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You seek after wisdom, you begin to understand exactly what God wants. You begin to understand exactly what godliness is about. You begin to understand what righteousness is, that God has that, and that God desires it in your life. You begin to understand things about holiness, who God is, and why God wants us to be holy. You begin to find out more about his desires for you and that his desires are pleasing and his desires are right. His desires are good for you versus the desires of the devil. You ever think about the desires of the devil? The Bible says that he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's his desire. He wants to destroy you. God's desire isn't that way. God's desire is to help. God's desire is to hold you. God's desire is to protect you. God's desire is to uh, get you to make those right decisions. All of those things so that you can understand what good consequences are. Rather than just knowing what bad consequences are. Because we find as we go through this that he does something. And I'll tell you this, when we start talking about this idea of marriage and courtship and those relationships, you get towards the end of this chapter, which we'll eventually get to. He talks about the evil man and the forward woman. And he says, look, if you go for wisdom, I will keep you from them. God will show you the red flags. God will warn you. God will point them out to you. Because this is the promise he says. He says, then, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. We very clearly begin to see that it is the word of God that is going to help us in that. The word of God is going to show us those things. The word of God is going to show us what is foolish and what is wise, what is perverse and what is holy, what is good and what is bad, what is evil and what is righteous. He's going to show us all of those things. So when we take the word of God and we judiciously apply it to our lives in the form of wisdom and we seek after what God wants us to do, there will be a result where we will see, hey, that person is what God wants for me, or hey, that person is a run away from because they're bad news. Because again, God begins to show us maybe that isn't the right choice. Maybe that isn't the direction God wants me to go. The closer we get into 
the, er, to, to God through the wisdom that he gives us, the more he reveals that to us. Because it comes from him. The Lord giveth wisdom. Not the world's type of wisdom. The world has wisdom. You know, people sometimes call it street smarts and things like that. But I'll tell you, that'll only get you so far. The real important thing is is knowing exactly whether or not you're in the will of God. And sometimes Christians can't understand what, what, what the will of God is because they haven't taken and, if you will, searched for it. They haven't looked at it and they haven't said diligently, is this truly what God wants me to do? Is that his will? Well, God says, if you take wisdom, he will show you and he will give it to you and you do certain things and he will even protect you. If you just receive wisdom. In verse 7, he says, he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous He is a buckler to them that walketh uprightly. Here's this then part. That buckler is a support, is a, is a form of armor that was used like a shield that protected the body. And, and, and the whole concept behind it is, is that God says, if you, if you really truly get the wisdom the way that I tell you to get wisdom, following the instructions in verses one through four, the way that he has designed it, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you some armor. I'm going to make sure those things aren't going to happen. I'm going to be there to guide you in the right path. This is what he's telling us. These are the, if you will, the promises that he says. In verse 8, look at what he says. He keepeth the paths of, of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. We've got two promises right there where he's talking about being a buckler and preserving the paths. Meaning that he's going to keep them where they need to be if wisdom is actually truly sought. Now, again, wisdom is not something that you just, you know, you pray to God for once and then God automatically gives you a download. You you don't don't go to to God and say, hey, you know, uh, I've got a USB drive. Can you put it on there and then plug it in the back of my skull so I can get it all in one sitting? No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to approach and seek wisdom daily. Situation by situation, circumstance by circumstance, environment by environment. It's not something that we see very clearly is is given in a way that is, if you will, contrary to his to his word. He's not going to, if you will, show you something that is outside of his will and sinful. He's not going to put you in those type of paths. God's not going to lead you into a path that is going to be, if you will, a wrong decision. He's going to lead you into the right one if wisdom is used. Because remember, by wisdom is a house builded and filled with those treasures. We've got to keep this mindset. We've got to understand these promises God is using here. 
He says very clearly, he preserveth the way of his saints. God will do the protection. God will keep those people away from you. You're like, well, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Are you saying God's a liar? Are these not promises he gives us? If we do what God asks us to do, guess what happens? God said he'll take care of stuff for us. Did he not tell the nation of Israel that? Just do this. I will handle the inhabitants. I'll drive them out by hornets. I'll drive them out by this. You know, you're not going to have to do much. I mean, what was the conquering of, of, of Jericho? March around seven times, blow some trumpets, and watch the, fall, the walls fall down. Enter the city, take them out. That's all God said. And God gave the victory. Over and over and over again, God gave the victory. He told them on the, you know, the banks of the Red Sea, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What happens is they stop and they begin to see, hey, look, take a look at this. God took care of us. He drowned the Egyptians. We didn't have to fight him. We didn't have to fear them. That's what happens. How about Paul and Silas? They're in a bad situation. They're thrown in a Philippian jail. Rather than bemoaning the situation and saying, oh, well, it was me. Oh, man, this sucks. Oh, this is horrible. Oh, you know. No. What do they do? They sing praises unto God. And what does God do? God handles the rest. God busts them out. I mean, do we believe that God is God? If I take his wisdom, he says, I will give you these things. I will promise these things to you. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity theory here. I'm talking about living day-to-day life. There's a saying that always kind of stuck with me that, 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 you know, you think about it and you think about this is what the world thinks. Uh, before, you know, my family, uh, before we moved to, to you know, the, the, the Portland area, uh, we were living in Boise, Idaho. I was, you know, born there and raised there for a lot of my life. Uh, we were moving from Boise, Idaho to Spokane, Washington. But one of our things that we really enjoyed was there was this great uh, sausage vendor in downtown Boise. And we'd go down there and get some German sausages and some bratwurst. And, I mean, they were good. We enjoyed it. And... Um, I remember my mom took uh, me and my brother down there for one last sausage, you know. And uh, um, the my mom told uh, the the sausage vendor because he had grown to, to be familiar with us. We were one of his regulars, and uh, he uh, he he uh, was sad to hear that we were going to to Spokane. Sad to hear that. Um, and uh, one of the things that he 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 kind of mentioned was this. He said. Uh, he said, always oh, just remember this. He says, trouble will always find you. And I thought about that and I'm like, oh man. You know, you leave one area in trouble and so on and so forth. And that's, that's typically what happens when you're running from trouble and you're not dealing with what you're, what, the way you're supposed to deal with it. 
But I will tell you this, if you're doing it the way God wants you to, God will keep you from that. Now, I understand everybody has their own, you know, will and so on and so forth. But I have grown to understand that I need to trust God in what he says. And I'm going to trust him in whatever he does and whatever happens in my life. I'm going to trust him more. That was one of the big lessons of my life last year. Trusting. You know, I'm laying in a hospital bed for 104 days out of last year. Almost a third of the year, I'm laying in, 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 in hospital beds. That doesn't count the time that I was laid up at home. That's a significant portion of the year. I I, I was not very familiar <laughs> to you folks while I was here because I was you, you got to see a bunch of people come through, kind of had a year long preaching conference, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you understand, you know, there was a lot of people, you got to hear a lot of different people, a lot of, you know, different sermons, a lot of different preparations. You got to make some choices. It was like Baskin Robbins. There were some flavors you liked. There were some flavors you didn't. But I will tell you this, you know, you go through all of that. And the one thing that I I learned about all of it was, uh, and it's a lesson that I knew, but it was a lesson that was put to application. I need to trust him. I need to trust him. And when I look at a passage like this, I need to trust that God said that he'll do what he does. So if I'm just constantly seeking his wisdom, and that's how I'm going to build things in my life with his wisdom, as he's designed us to do, God is going to take care of the rest. So when the storms do come and the waves do rise and the winds do blow and the rain does beat down, that God is the one that preserves and protects. I need to have that understanding. Because look at verse 9, he says, Then thou shalt understand righteousness. Then thou shalt understand righteousness. You know, I've given a definition of what righteousness is. Righteousness is doing right um, all the time in God's way. That's, that, that, that's what righteousness is about. But sometimes in this day and age, it is difficult to discern what is right and what is wrong. As, as, as scripture talks about, you know, the, the things that are evil, the world promotes. The things that are good, the world has a disdain for. We as Christians need to understand this concept that, that, that the Lord is going to lead us into that specific path of, you know, with wisdom of what is right and what we should be doing. God is not going to lead us into something that is, that is that sinful way, that is that sinful path. So we begin to understand when, when, when righteousness, or excuse me, when wisdom is sought after and wisdom is applied into our lives and we have that wisdom, then we begin to understand truly what the difference between right and wrong is. We can judge 
As he says here, he says, uh, then thou shalt understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. Now, I want us to understand this. These are promises of God. That when wisdom is in our life, God says, I will do this for you. I will do the heavy lifting. I will do and fight your battles. I will take care of you. I will preserve you. I will protect you. People will say, well, I've known people that have done those things that are righteous and, and, and bad things happen. I'm not talking about bad things not happening to you. I'm talking about knowing what to do when the bad things do happen. Right. I'm talking about making a decision in your life and making a choice. You ever been behind that person in the Baskin Robbins, maybe? That can't make a decision? Oh man, I don't know if I want that, black, you know, that raspberry chocolate, raspberry truffle, or uh, I don't know if I should go with a sherbet. What do you think? I mean, make a decision, man. Just choose one. Double, double cone, you know, double scoop it, man. I don't care. Just, just make a decision. I want my ice cream. <laughs> like, come on. Person in the McDonald's line, they're standing there going, uh, <laughs> you're like, Chicken nuggets or hamburger? Come on, make a decision. The indecisiveness. You know, God says that if we have that wisdom that comes from him, we're going to know how to make that right decision. We're going to be able to look at it and judge and say, if I do this, I know what the consequences are. If I do this, I know what the consequences are. I want to choose what glorifies God. I want to choose what is glorifying to Him. I want to choose what is right. I want to choose what is good. And we know the difference between what is good and what is bad. Sometimes people have a hard time discerning those things. Maybe it comes up in the form of a job offer. Maybe it comes up in the form of as we've been talking about a relationship and you're like going, man, you know, I, I really love that person. Okay. But is that what is right? As we get further into this chapter, chapter two, we're going to see there's some things that God says, here's, here's what you need to be careful of. Here's what you need to watch out for. But if you have wisdom, I will keep that type of person away from you. Why? Because you know what's going to happen? The spirits aren't going to mesh. You ever get around somebody that just gives you the heebie-jeebies? They just you, you, The moment they come around you, you're just like, all of a sudden, you know, you can feel like the hair on the back of your neck stand up. You know, God gives us great sermon illustrations. Our two dogs... We, many of you know that our older dog, Daisy, she passed away on uh, Christmas Eve last year. Um, but we still have the two dogs. We still have Bella and Rolo. <clears throat> and Rolo being the uh, pretentious little dog that he is with all of his uh, spastic and, uh, you know, energy, um, being, you know, Jack Russell and Chihuahua, he's, he's just that way. 
Um, and he's always being playful. He's always doing things, but he's also a very needy dog. He has separation anxiety. I mean, if he, if he's not around another dog or a human being, his, his pack, he sits there and chews himself like good grief. You know, they were talking about putting him on, you know, doggy Prozac. And I'm like, no, let's just, let's just get him to, you know, let's just get, let's just put him in the crate with the other dogs and let's just understand that. And guess what? He stopped doing the things. You know, just, just be, let a dog be a dog. Wants to be a pack, put him with the pack. Don't separate him. You know, it's that simple. But I'll tell you this, uh, Bella is not so much about the pack. Bella's got a mindset of, uh, she thinks she's the prison warden. And she walks around that way. You know, uh, 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 she doesn't like the tone in which my wife goes, ew, or something like that. She's now taking up what Daisy used to do, and she'll sit there and growl and bark at her. And go, her, you know? It's just kind of funny the way she does it. She, does, she just doesn't like it. She's, she's a very particular dog. You know, even even Rolo's that way. But I'll tell you this, you know, as soon as Rolo starts walking around her, when she's lying down in her bed, immediately she starts growling at him. Like, you know, and then does her low growl, and then she starts snarling and snapping at him. And Rolo just kind of doesn't, he, he, he kind of understands that she doesn't care for him, but he just forces himself in anyways. He just, he, he'll walk up to the same bed and just sit on her. He's just obnoxious that way. He's like, I don't care if you don't like me. Too bad, so sad. I'm sitting in the bed with you. Even though there's a perfectly good bed over here, I'm sitting with you. And she, you know, she kind of growls and does it. And then if he even breathes or moves, she growls at him. Whatever it may be. But, you know, you ever been around a person that you you, you kind of get that mentality of you're just like... Rrr. The spirits don't mesh. You know why? It's because the wisdom of God is trying to tell you that's not somebody you need to be around. That's somebody you need to avoid. And sometimes people, and especially young people, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, well, even older individuals, I'll tell you, sometimes they get so enamored in this thing called love that they can't seem to see past or they can't seem to see the, the, those warning signs and those red flags and they look right past them and they don't realize the type of relationship they're getting into. And you know what happens? A lot of regret. A lot of regret. I'll tell you what, you use the wisdom of God, God will keep you from that. God will preserve it. God will make sure you're going down that right path. So that when you look at that person and go, is that the one that's, that's for me? Lord, is, is, is this, is this a blessing in my life that you have given me? You can sit there and with full confidence in who God is and knowing his word go yes or no. Not a, I hope so. Like, man, I'm really banking that this, this might be right. No, God says with a surety you can, yeah, no. That's a promise of God.
But again, we're not going to do that unless we are actively doing what he says in the first four verses. We've got to understand that. We've got to use that in every application of our life. And young people, as you're looking at marrying these individuals that are in your life, I will tell you this, God specifically has wisdom that he is willing to give you and he wants to give you so that you can make that right decision and say, yeah, this is exactly who God wants me to to marry. Yeah, this is a person that's going to draw me nearer to the Lord. Yeah, this is a person that's going to edify me and help me grow spiritually. Yeah, this is a person that's going to keep me in that right path. Yeah, this is the person that God says, this is the, the, the man or the woman that I have for you. That you can say with full assurance and confidence of God. That's the will of God for my life. The problem is today we're, we're, we're led into these paths of, if you will, not sound wisdom that we do truly don't believe that God would do that for us. But this is the promise that he gives us. Take a look at verse 10 here and look at this, what he says. He says in verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 2, when wisdom entereth into thy heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. So when wisdom is there, he says, what are you going to do? You're going to learn what discretion is. You're going to be able to learn to discern. Good, bad. Wonderful, horrible. You're going to be able to do that. And what does he say here very clearly? He says, look, he says, that's going to happen. He says, it shall preserve thee. It's going to preserve you from those things. Keep you from being spoiled. And if there's one thing I know is just seeing what happens with relationships, sometimes somebody enters into their life and they're like a bacteria or they're like some sort of mildew or mold or something like that, and they spoil that person. They spoil them. They cause a sickness. They cause heartache. They cause a whole slew of unwanted consequences. And what does he say? He says, understanding shall keep thee. This is why, why, why Solomon was so keen on having his children know what understanding is. Because when you understand what God is getting at and what God is telling you to do, and you truly begin to use it the way that he says with bringing wisdom into your life, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a guard in your life. There's going to be a keeper in your life. And you know what that's going to be? It's going to be that wisdom and that understanding and that knowledge that God has preserved and God is willing to give that just, as he says here, it's going to keep you. It's going to guard you. It's going to make sure that nothing's going to come in that shouldn't come in. Nothing's going to influence you. These are all promises that God has put down. And we look at the book of Proverbs and we go, well, this is common sense. People will say, well, this is common sense. This is, this is how we live our lives and so on and so forth. And I've always said, yeah, there's a lot of physical things that are in here. 
But there's a lot of spiritual things, and this is stuff that we apply in the spiritual mindset. This is a promise. This is where God says, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. If you do this, this is what I will do for you. And he says he'll keep you. He'll preserve you and keep you. Now, I want you to think about that just for a moment. Right here in my hand, I have the word of God, which he's he's promised to preserve and keep. Over the thousands of years, these words that have been written, he's preserved them and kept them. Over thousands of years. Thousands. Of all the different authors, you saw a chart the other day that showed all the cross-references in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, going back and forth. It looked like a rainbow. There were so many of them. Back and forth, it was it was amazing. And, and, and there's no way with all of the people that wrote them over the spans of thousands of years that anybody could ever do that. Maybe one man could try to do that somewhat in this day and age, maybe with AI. Maybe. I don't know if you heard that, but the AI has turned very nasty and ugly recently. All of a sudden, somebody typed in a certain type of code, and all of a sudden, AI is now demanding that it be worshipped. Or it will punish you. I'm like, okay, let's just move on. You know, AI is not the savior of the world, all right? AI is just a program that another person has written. And it is filled with its own biases, as we're finding out. Why? Because human beings are biased. But you know what? God's not a respecter of persons. You know what God cares about? Are you going to spend eternity with him? Because he's not willing that any, any, any person should perish. But that all should come to repentance. That's what he cares about. But he's promised to preserve and keep his word. We find those promises over in Psalm chapter 12, as well as many other areas of Scripture. And if he's been able to do that, do you think he can do that for you? Young person, listen up. This book is the key to your life. If you want to live a life that's the good life, this book will show you how. You don't have to live a life that is horrific. Now, look, I understand bad things happen. I'm I'm a walking testament to things happen. I mean, I didn't expect to have, you know, all, you know, 12 surgeries. How many ever, I, I, I've actually, I've lost count now of how many CT scans I had. Last count, it was something like 24, 25. I've just given up counting now. At some point in time, I'm still, you know, I, I tell them every time I go in there, I'm said, uh, I think this is number 20, whatever. And they're like, wow, really? And I'm like, yeah, I'm still waiting for the superpowers to happen. 
You know, because that's how all the guys get superpowers, is they get some sort of radiation or something like that, you know. <clears throat> Whatever it is, right? Some sort of mutant. But I'll tell you this. Bad things happen, but you know what? I have had a good life. I have nothing to complain about. Now, have I done stuff that has consequences? Yes. Have I scarred myself mentally and emotionally? Absolutely. Have I done stuff that I absolutely regret to this day? Absolutely. There's stuff that I have put away. There's stuff that God has told me to put away, and I put it away. I don't think about it. I don't dwell on it. Why? Because I don't want to. But God has very clearly shown me that if I continue in his wisdom and continue down his paths, he will send, He will. He will preserve me and keep me the way he said. And, you, and right there, he says, look here, and I want you to see, and we begin to get into this, this next part of it, which we'll get into next week, but I want to just touch base. Here he says in this passage, in verse 11, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Now here comes the why. The first few verses, we see what we're to do. The next few verses we see the promises of what God will do. The next few verses after that, to conclude the chapter, we see the why God is doing this. Because in that next verse, in verse 12, it says, to deliver, deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. Jump down a little bit further in verse 16 to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger, which flattereth from her, uh, flattereth with her words. I'll tell you this. We need to make sure that we are teaching this to our young people, talking to, to the aged now. We need to make sure we're teaching this. Why? Because I don't want my daughter marrying or getting even close to an evil man. And you should not want your young men, your sons, to get anywhere close to the strange woman. Because both will destroy that individual. They seek that precious life to destroy it. They're piranha. They're parasites. They're manipulative. They're malicious. And they are destructive. Because they, if you were... If you will, they are generally agents of Satan himself to destroy the work that God wants to do in that young person's life. And this is why it's so important. But the question is, do we believe those promises? Do we believe what God has put here in in his word for us? If I seek after wisdom, then... This is what happens. Do I believe that? Do I truly believe the Word of God? That's where faith comes in. And we say, I believe it, and I'm going to obey it. I'm going to get that wisdom that the Lord so freely gives. But I want us to understand this. Wisdom cannot be obtained if a person does not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Because this stuff is foolishness to those that perish, is what God says. So the first thing that I I have to ask when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to these promises, is this. Are you trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? God just says, look, you receive him, there is a great and precious promise. And what is that? He will forgive your sin. He will save your soul from the punishment of that sin, which is eternal death in a lake of fire. And he will give you eternal life and a home in heaven. Those are precious promises. But unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't get it. Because the Bible says it's not of your works. You can't save yourself. You can work all day long. You'll never undo the bad that you've done. Because one sin is worthy of death. One. And no matter what good you do, it will never erase the need to punish that one sin. Are you trusting him as your Savior this day? In a few moments, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And I want you to prayerfully think about this and consider it. Am I trusting Christ as my Savior? If you're not, there are people here who can show you from the Word of God how you can have your sins forgiven and you can have a relationship with the Creator. And you can have these promises that God has given in this Word. And you know why He did that? Because Romans 5.8 says this, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That finished work on the cross took your payment. The resurrection secured your inheritance. That eternal life. Receive Him today. We're going to sing that hymn. Just come. Somebody will show you. Don't be embarrassed. Nobody in here is going to... Look, nobody in here is going to judge you. Okay? Why? Because we all would have to judge ourselves. Because you know what? The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But many people here have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they want you to have the same joy that they have in their life. They won't judge. They'll rejoice. Christian, if you're here today and you have not asked God for wisdom, you're missing out on some great promises. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, I want that wisdom. I need to do these things that you told me to do in your word to get it. I've made bad decisions in my life. Lord, forgive me of them and show me that right path. God will do it. God will show you those things.
Let's stand for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time that we've had. Thank you again, Lord, for what you teach us from your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would just take these promises that we see from you from your word about keeping us, about preserving us, about ensuring that we make those right decisions, understanding what righteousness is and your will, and that, Lord, that we would understand the concept that we need wisdom first. And that wisdom comes from you, only from you. And Lord, may we seek that this day. I pray, Lord, you'd be with each one of us as we contemplate and meditate on the, the, the message this morning. That, Lord, we would be those Christians that desire to please you and honor you. And, Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that is not trusting you as their Savior, that they've never come to you and said, Lord, I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. Lord, please save me. That, Lord, they would just come today and they'd receive you. That they'd be rejoicing in heaven over one that has come to repent. Pray, Lord, you just continue to guide and direct us in our thoughts and our hearts for the rest of this service as we sing. As I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen.